0: Hello and welcome to Switchbacks, a national parks podcast. In 2015, we quit our jobs to visit all of the U.S. national parks in one year, and ever since, we have been obsessed with all things National Park Service.
1: We are in week three of a 62 week tour of virtually revisiting a new national park each week through a podcast episode and in depth guide on SwitchbackKids.com. We hope you learn something new and get inspired because the national parks are for everyone.
0: Today we're going way back to the late 1800s with the establishment of the iconic Yosemite National Park.
1: So, fun fact, Cole, about Yosemite is that it's the only national park to ever bid to host the Winter Olympics. Did you know that?
0: I did not know that, and I'm really impressed you dug that up
1: so they didn't win the bid right <laughs> but the park concessioner at the time was really obsessed with this idea of making yosemite like a switzerland of quote switzerland of the west so they built toboggan runs an ice skating rink and a sky jump and did all this kind of building of course they didn't actually get the bid but there are still plenty of winter sports that you can do at yosemite today
0: I'm even seeing here that there's something called ski-joring, uh, which is skiing behind a horse with a tow rope. So I like that one from our notes.
1: Yeah, I definitely have never heard of that. Does that still exist? I don't think so.
0: So there's our fun fact about Yosemite. Uh, the Now let's get into some of the more known facts uh, in the overview here.
1: Yeah, so beyond their Winter Olympics bid, Yosemite is definitely most known for its... All sorts of things. It's scenery, it's history, it's wildlife, um, the striking granite cliffs, the giant sequoias, the waterfalls, the birthplace of of rock climbing, um, Ansel Adams photography, backpacking, John Muir, all sorts of really iconic National Park stuff.
0: It's so steeped in history and is just... Uh, the epitome of a crown jewel. When I think national parks, I think Yosemite, and I think Yellowstone. And when I think Yosemite, like Elizabeth said, I think of Yosemite Valley uh, and the iconic granite cliffs.
1: And part of us, when we visited the first time, I think part of us wanted to not believe the hype. We wanted to go in and say, well, it's good, but it's overhyped. But when we, after visiting, I think we Concluded that it definitely deserves the hype that it gets.
0: We're bought in, <laughs> uh, and it was—it's been, you know, evident ever since the um, first you know, Europeans got to the—well, uh, um, I guess not even Europeans at that point—Americans got to the Yosemite Valley that they needed to protect this place. Uh, it started with a guy named Galen Clark who made the first push to protect the natural area of Yosemite. And actually, Abraham Lincoln, at the time, signed the Yosemite Grant protecting the Mariposa Grove of Sequoias and the Yosemite Valley way back in 1864.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people credit this with being the what kind of paved the way for the National Park Service, for the protection of other national parks. So even though it was third, technically, the third national park in the system it really paved the way for other national parks to be created.
0: Yeah, and let's unpack the timeline just briefly, if you'll allow me. Um, it was 1864, it got protected, but the land was given to California State. And it still had a lot of industry going on. Uh, livestock were grazing you know, throughout the valley and, and Yosemite land. So in 1890... Yosemite National Park was actually created as the third park, but that national park was just the land surrounding the valley. The valley was still state controlled. John Muir pushed uh, Theodore Roosevelt in a famous meeting with the then president in the valley to bring the rest of the valley, you know, that the state had controlled, was allowing all of this industry uh, and degradation to occur. He pushed Roosevelt to um, make it all federally protected national park. And that's what happened in, I think, 1903. Um, uh, actually, 1906. 1903 was the meeting between Muir and Roosevelt. In 1906, it was finally all created as Yosemite National Park. And, uh, yeah, just, it just really goes to show how much this park has taken root in the minds and hearts of people from the very beginning.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And although it was originally probably intended to be enjoyed this like solitude and unencumbered wilderness today, it's a lot more difficult. It is a very, very crowded park. And even though it's over a thousand, it's about 1100 square miles, um, most visitors congregate within seven miles, seven square miles of Yosemite Valley. So visiting can be tricky.
0: Yeah, that's crazy density. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about how to visit the park now. So, when to visit is first up. You got to decide when you're going, and there's definite, definite seasonal considerations. Um, Yosemite Valley is open year round. But as we found when we went during our trip um, to all the national parks, Tioga Road, which is the part outside the valley that crosses you know, the mountains of Yosemite, is only open in the summer. It, clo- it opens around uh, May or early June and closes around November usually. So there's a definite window that... Uh, you can't access the higher elevation areas. So take that into account.
1: Right, and also Glacier Point Road is closed and the Mariposa Grove is closed for a good amount of the year. So Yosemite Valley is open year-round, but a lot of other areas are less accessible. So if you do visit in the winter, you, there are winter sports. Like we mentioned, Badger Pass, there's a ski, a ski area at inside the park, um, which is pretty rare. There are also, of course, much lower crowds but you've got way less accessibility. Some, some hikes in the valley are open, though.
0: When you're thinking about spring, the big advantage is the gushing waterfalls. With all the snow melt as it flows into the valley, the waterfalls you have, just seeing them from the valley are incredible. And we saw this firsthand. Yeah,
1: in the summer, then, you've got very, very, very crowded but everything's open, so you have more opportunities to get off the beaten path, go backpacking, go hiking, things like that.
0: And then fall, of course, the visitation starts to taper off. Um, the waterfalls are flowing a lot um, less, and, but you can hit a sweet spot of lower crowds and still great accessibility.
1: Yeah, so as far as getting around and getting to the park... Um, There are small airports in Merced, Fresno, Mammoth, and Stockton. Uh, The closest major airports are Oakland, Sacramento, San Jose, and San Francisco.
0: And you'll probably want a rental car for the flexibility and ease of getting around, but it is possible to take a bus or a train or a combination into the park and then use the park shuttle system to get around the valley itself, along with the trails, of course, that go through the whole valley.
1: And that can also be less stressful than trying to drive from trailhead to trailhead and find find parking because you really don't want to get caught up trying to find a parking spot in the valley.
0: Oh my gosh, it gets so packed, and I think we used the shuttle just m- maybe once or twice.
1: I don't think it was running as often as frequently when we visited, um, but it definitely runs more often in the summer and might be a good option. So drive into the valley park, they have some giant parking lots, and then just maybe shuttle around just for less stress.
0: (laughs) Right, because trailheads like that get really popular, um, like Yosemite Fall or the Mist Trail, those trailheads uh, and the parking lots get packed super early.
1: Yeah, as far as the park layout, um, there are several different roads. It's not like one big loop or anything. There is one small loop through Yosemite Valley. And um, separate roads that go to the Wawona, the w- 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 whoa, w- that w- word w- is hard w- to say, Wawona area, which is where the Mariposa Grove is. Um, a separate road to Glacier Point, a separate road to Hetch Hetchy, and then the Tioga Road, which goes all the way through to uh, Tulum Meadows.
0: Right on the other side of the Sierra Nevadas, and yeah, so that's um, there are a few different entrances. One from the west, the rest are on the east. Most are, are on the eastern side of the Sierra Nevadas. Um,
1: and then nearby parks. So while you're visiting Yosemite, if you want to extend your trip, there are definitely some other parks around. So we've mentioned that there are amazing NPS sites that aren't necessarily... They're in the national park system, um, but they are in the San Francisco Bay Area. So we especially loved Rosie the Riveter which is called Rosie the Riveter World War II Homefront National Historical Park. (laughs) That's a doozy. Uh, We also loved Point Reyes National Seashore.
0: Yeah, and then, of course, uh, Sequoia and Kings Canyon are not too far to the south. Devil's Post Pile National Monument is to the southeast, so a lot around uh, also some national forest areas that are surrounding Yosemite. Now, where to sleep? Uh, There are lots of options inside the park, inside the valley. There are lodges. Um, Those range from permanent tents to luxury $500 per night rooms. So you have a big range if you don't have your own tent. There are also 13 campgrounds if you do have a tent or an RV. Uh, Those are both reservable and first come, first serve.
1: Well, not all of them. Some are reservable. Right. Some right, are first come, first serve. Right. Some are a mixture. That's
0: what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then of course there's backcountry camping with permit only. And I highly recommend, no matter what season you're going, figure out your uh, camping beforehand because we made that mistake ourselves as we talk about elsewhere on our switchbackkids.com blog um, all of the challenges with camping and getting a reservation and how we had to get creative
1: yeah so then outside of the park of course you have lots of options there's tons of private hotels and campgrounds and things like that Um, there's also camping in the Stanislaus National Forest um, which surrounds the the Yosemite National Park and there's some uh, reservable campsites there there's also free dispersed camping within the National Forest just make sure to look up the regulations ahead of time
0: so let's talk about our trip.
1: Yeah. So we visited back in March of 2016. So it was kind of this late late winter early spring season. We spent 6 days and 5 nights in the park. So we spent one night dispersed camping in the national forest, one night backcountry camping at Hetch Hetchy, two nights at Upper Pines Campground in the valley. And then one night walk-in camping at Camp 4 in the Valley.
0: Right. And I alluded to this earlier... Uh, We did not get a permit or a reservation ahead of time for our campsite because we were told that at that time of year by a ranger over the phone, um, you didn't need one. So we went expecting to have no problem. That was not the case. Everything was booked up when we got there. That's why we ended up in the free dispersed camping outside the park our first night. (laughs) Um, So it worked out. We then spent a backcountry night. We spent two nights that we were were able to reserve last minute at upper pines um but
1: it made for a bit of a stressful first day
0: exactly (laughs) and we
1: were we were really just trying to nail down some plans
0: that's not what you want to be doing when you get there so definitely just like we talked about with yellowstone um, just plan everything in advance make it easier on yourselves
1: yeah, thankfully we had a really good ranger that we talked to who helped us with a, an awesome plan for the, for the six days, including some of the hikes and activities we did. So some of a lot of the areas, like we mentioned, Glacier Point was closed, the Tioga Road was closed. Um, so what we did instead was we did some big day hikes in Yosemite Valley. We also visited some lesser known areas and we did a lot of really cool ranger programs.
0: Yeah, so those lesser-known areas included the the backpacking in Hetch Hetchy, which is very similar to Yellowstone or t- to Yosemite Valley, uh, but it was dammed. A- and yeah,
1: imagine Yosemite is a lake, right? And that's kind of what Hetch Hetchy looks like. It's got a beautiful, like it's a beautiful scene, um, kind of sad because it's a dam, um, but an interesting area to visit.
0: Yeah, that's a whole conservation discussion on its own. Um, John Muir fought very hard against damming Hetch Hetchy at the time, um, but then there's also Badger Pass, which was I feel like a unique part of our visit because we got to do a snowshoe hike there with as a ranger program. It was a free snowshoe uh, hike. With the Rangers, and that was just a fun little twist on, um, you know, what most people normally do at Yosemite. Um, Another really cool thing that I don't think many people, um, well, I didn't see anybody else doing was floating on the Merced River, so we had our inflatable kayak with us and I took it out one morning to just kind of get away from the crowds, get onto the river. It's not a huge river. You're never like in solitude, but it gives you just a different perspective, floating, taking in the cliffs all around you, just going by um, the bridges over the river. So it's it was really, really nice, peaceful um Little probably yeah. Mile I float. I do
1: think they have kayaking tours in the summer, but they didn't offer any when we were doing it. So it was really quiet for you when you did that, and because of the shuttle system, and because I was I could be your shuttle, <laughs> you didn't have to backtrack too much. Yes,
0: that was very helpful, yes. <laughs> Um,
1: a few of our other favorites that we'll just list off really quickly. We loved the hike to Upper Yosemite Fall, and beyond that to Yosemite Point. Uh, we did a photography tour, which Yosemite Valley is steeped in history with with Ansel Adams like famous photography, black and white photography. Um, so it was really interesting to do a photography tour with one of the Rangers. Um, camping in Camp Four also has some interesting history because of the the history of back of not backpacking rock climbing in Yosemite. Um, and Camp Four is kind of like the rock climbing. Campground a little bit grittier, a little yeah. bit like everyone kind of just camps wherever and it's it's kind of an interesting system.
0: Yeah, it's one of the first come, first serve ones uh, that we were able to rely on for our last night, and it's just got a cool vibe. So definitely recommend it, uh even if you aren't a climber.
1: Yes. And as far as other activities, so beyond our own trip, what are the must sees, Cole?
0: So First of all, you gotta see some sort of viewpoint. There are viewpoints everywhere in Yosemite, and especially the valley. But get one of the classic views of the valley, either from Glacier Point, uh, which you can hike all the way up to, or drive up to. Uh, of course, if you hike it, you're going to get you know a lot on the way. Um, to yourself of the trail to yourself so that could be a good option to escape the crowds um also there's a tunnel view which is once you come through the tunnel into yosemite valley um it's your first view. There's a nice big pull-off where you can join the throngs of people doing the same thing, getting out of their car and getting the first view of of somebody Valley. Yeah, but
1: it's so worth it. So oh, worth it. Oh, it was so beautiful just seeing that that the view for the very first time.
0: So get that viewpoint.
1: Another must-do, I think, would be a hike. So there's a ton of big range of hikes from easy to very strenuous throughout the, the all areas of the park. Um, the Mist Trail is really popular, but for a good reason. Really, we really enjoyed that. Um,
0: That's the one with Vernal and Nevada Falls. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. The um, the Yosemite Fall, Yosemite Falls is actually made up of three different falls. Um, we really liked the hike to the upper Yosemite Fall, and beyond that to Yosemite Point. Um, we also really liked the hike to Mirror Lake, which was a little bit easier in the valley.
0: That and was nice. And then there's nice, simply just like was... a
1: boardwalk. Remember the boardwalk trail through the valley, which mm-hmm. kind of got us away from the crowds, and it was really easy. It was just, just a nice little stroll, um, but it was beautiful.
0: Yeah, and then if you are really wanting to get away of the, from the density of the valley, Tioga Road, amazing option. Take it all the way to uh, Tuolumne, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Meadows.
1: Oh, I think I said it way differently. We're both probably wrong.
0: Yep. Um, And also the Wawona area. Wawona area. Again, um, sorry Yosemite uh, for butchering the names. Uh, But the Mariposa Grove there, if you haven't been able to get down to the sequoias of Sequoia National Park, this is a great option. They're not... I, as huge, from what I've heard. Again, this was closed when we went, but um, they're an amazing uh, w- way to see those at the same time as as Yosemite. Um, and then the Hetch Hetchy area is again great for for hiking, day hiking, and especially backpacking.
1: And then another must do, I think, would be to learn about the park. And we're gonna we're gonna probably plug this on every podcast. <laughs> Um, but most parks have a park movie that's free. Do that. go to the visitor center, take a little bit of time, attend a free ranger program. they're amazing,
0: especially um, at a big national park like yeah. Yosemite. They have such a diversity from photography tours to you know the, the snowshoe, snowshoe tours tour, yeah you know those are just the ones that we experienced, and they have so many others,
1: yep, so as far as things because our trip was limited but You guys submitted some of your favorite activities at the park, Um, so we'll list those really quick, but someone said hiking up to Half Dome under a full moon, backpacking four nights through the Grand Canyon of the Tulumna. Tulum.
0: Tualum. Tualumay. I I think that's... I have a good feeling about
1: that one. A celebratory dinner at the Queen's Table at the Awani, riding bikes on the valley floor path, floating the Merced... Hiking to the top of Nevada Falls, watching the headlamps of the climbers on El Capitan from the tunnel view at night. Oh, very That sounds amazing. Anything off the Tioga Road, especially the hike to North Dome with a view of Half Dome in the valley. Staying in the Half Dome Village. And someone said getting outside the valley and hiking in less crowded areas.
0: Yeah. So, obviously... People get really excited about Yosemite. We had, you know, we loved hearing everybody's favorites. It's some uh, a place that uh, is so special to so many people. So uh, keep those coming in for the other parks too. I hope, uh, even the ones that maybe aren't as well known. Um, even you know, even Yosemite though has parts that are lesser known. So uh, there are some secrets of the park, at least. They were secrets for us. Um, So those would include, there's actually a trail behind the tunnel view that we mentioned is kind of your first view of the valley. So if you want to get away from the crowd, immediately take that trail up to a place called Inspiration Point. It's not too uh, far mileage-wise and gets you even higher above uh, the valley and the crowds.
1: The next tip we would have is, we've mentioned it a couple times, but... When you're at the upper fall, upper Yosemite fall, you can, most people stop there, but if you keep taking the trail a little bit higher, you can go to this place called Yosemite Point, and that has an amazing view of the valley, which for us, it was a great alternative because Glacier Point, which also offers a big view of the valley, um, was closed. So this was a this was a perfect way to get that sweeping view.
0: Another secret, uh, relax by the fireplace in the lobby of Awani Lodge. And uh, you could grab a cocktail, or you could just sit uh, and take in the comfy couches, and not have to pay the five hundred dollar per night uh, fee. So another one, if again, if you're not at the lodge, you got to get camping. There, if you haven't done a reservation or are going in without any camping lined up, there is a way you can. Basically, snipe the frequent cancellations for uh, camping reservations. If you are um, persistent with talking to the rangers, and they have a process for basically doling out those cancellations that people do last minute, so you could snag one. Basically, when yeah, you
1: get it there. has to be on the website actually. Okay, so this is what I read. So, so,
0: that, we, so that's we changed can... since we did it. Then,
1: I guess so. Yeah. So we. We can speak to this because this, this worked for us in a different park, but refreshing the recreation.gov page for the camping reservations, according to Yosemite's website, they said there are frequent last-minute cancellations for both camping and lodging. So if you're persistent and check, keep checking your dates, you could catch a cancellation just in time.
0: Another secret. Um, everybody wants to climb Half Dome, but... Uh, the reserve the permits are really hard to get. They might be a little easier to get if you actually go through the backpacker channel. So check that out on the website.
1: And then finally, this was something that we were, we kind of stumbled upon because it was, it happened to be Easter, uh, Easter weekend when we visited Yosemite, but they actually have a little chapel that has weekly church services. So if that's your thing, um, it's, it was kind of a unique experience to go to church inside a national park.
0: Now, the next time we go, we'll be going as a family. And um, what does the Unless National Unless we
1: leave the kids at
0: home. Well, that is always <laughs> an option. What um, does National? What does the Yosemite do for families?
1: So they have a lot of a lot of information and education for families on their website. So I would recommend checking that out first. They have a Junior Ranger program, which is geared towards seven to thirteen year olds. They also have a little cub program, which sounds adorable, and that's geared towards three to six-year-olds. Education in for, for kids in the park actually has a really long history. Um, goes back to the night to all the way to 1930 when they had something called the Yosemite Junior Nature School. Um, and on their website, you can actually take a quiz to see if you could have been a junior ranger in 1933. Oh, I've heard it's pretty hard.
0: Sounds adorable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in addition to that, there's plenty of short, easy hikes, especially on the valley floor. Uh, There's, you know, boardwalks, especially to the falls, around the river. Um, There's that um, nice mirror lake trail. And another thing I would recommend with families is to go swimming. In the Merced River, uh, there are two beaches, Sentinel Beach and Cathedral Beach, that you can just hang out at for an afternoon. They have nice picnic areas nearby, so try to um, give your kids a break and, and a break from the heat, too.
1: Yeah, of course, there are some safety things. Some A lot of people, kids and adults, do um, is what some what people mess up on is swimming at the top of the falls, which you definitely Ooh, don't want to swim at the top yeah, of the
0: falls. Yeah, no, bad idea.
1: But people do, and there are a lot of deaths at Yosemite, so... Of course, just follow the normal safety precautions that you
0: would. All right, so if you don't have kids or maybe older kids, you might be looking for some big adventure. So here's our big adventure highlight um, that I would love to do if we and when we get back to Yosemite. uh, It's hike Half Dome. So this, again, Half Dome, the most iconic feature in the most uh, iconic Uh, area of Yosemite Valley and it can be climbed uh, it's a 14 mile to 16.4 mile trail and a 4800 foot elevation gain during that uh, round trip from uh, the bottom of the valley floor they have very strict limits on the number of hikers who are allowed to do it each day it's a about 300 hikers a day and uh, about 225 day hikers permits and 75 backpackers permits so you could try two different channels here for day hikers they do have an advanced lottery system that Opens in the month of March And then they select the winners in April So you can know ahead of time If you got a permit for the season They also reserve a few of them For you know the day of or you know the day before So you can try to get one Once you get to the valley If you're lucky um, Also there's that backpacker channel That we talked about earlier It's a, a great option
1: Okay. So now for some questions and answers, some Q and A's that we crowdsourced from you guys. So here's the first one. Is there any hiking for beginners in the park? Absolutely. So like we said, there's tons of easy hikes, easy to strenuous, um, inside the valley, there's Bridalville fall, lower Yosemite fall, Cook's Meadow loop, Mirror Lake loop. Those were all easy and very flat. Um, We've, like we said, we found the Cooks Meadow Loop, which is that boardwalk trail, to be very, very, actually very lovely, like very surprising. Um, no crowds, really good views. And then for for other areas of the park, the park does list their web, uh, on their website, they list their hikes by area, and then also difficulty with mileage, with elevation gain, so you can look up exactly what you might be interested in.
0: So user-friendly, National Park Service. Um Second question, how accessible is the park in the winter? Yosemite Valley, open year-round, but many facilities close. Tioga Road, Glacier Point, as we've mentioned, only open the summers. There are the winter sports, Batcher Pass ski area, the snowshoe t- tours. Um, so just check you know, to see what is available. Check to see if tire chains are required on the roads. Um, so it, just do your research
1: yeah it just mostly requires more planning ahead of time, but definitely possible so the next question was what strategies what what are strategies for getting a campsite in the valley and we kind of touched on this already, but we'll just go through it quickly.
0: yeah, I don't think we need to touch on it much more. There are seven campgrounds that are reservable ahead of time, um, so without reservations though there's first come first serve there's day of lottery system that we experienced there's dispersed camping in Stanislaus National Forest right outside the park or just a short backpacking trip perhaps
1: yeah this could be a really good alternative actually if you don't do not have a reservation but you don't mind doing a little light backpacking because Hetch Hetchy was pretty easy as far as backpacking goes because it was only a yeah, few miles quite flat Yeah, quite flat. And it was a few miles. We got to camp and then just hiked a few miles back and then in the morning. Um, So as far as your first backpacking trip, it could be a good one.
0: So another question, what is the best time to visit to optimize crowds versus weather?
1: So I would simply say spring for waterfalls, fall for hiking. That would be my answer, my quick answer.
0: Yep. (laughs) Yep. And of course
1: it's not always that uncomplicated.
0: <laughs> right. So the and you'll get great weather in both of those shoulder seasons. In April, for instance, it's a high of average 65 and then a low average of 37 in October, it's basically the same.
1: Okay, so finally something to think about.
0: Yes. Yes. So my, something to think about for Yosemite is driving safely. I, you know, in this section, I try to look up some news articles and this one, um, for Yosemite talked about how four bears had been hit by cars and just over the last few weeks. And, um, the rangers are just urging motorists to slow down. It's a huge uh, issue driving in the national parks because people are unfamiliar with the roads. They are distracted by the beauty and the wildlife. They are on vacation and maybe maybe they're stressed and trying to get somewhere quickly not to miss their next uh, reservation. So just be extra careful Plan plenty of time to where you can uh, take your time on the roads, where you can pull off as often as you want, and you know park the car in a safe spot versus on a shoulder where you're not supposed to be. Um, and above all, don't hit people and don't hit wildlife. Uh, and bare
1: necessities. I like it. <laughs> yeah i just to end, I remember reading in a guidebook one time that we had that or once or one time a ranger was asked what he would do if he had one day in Yosemite. Do you remember what he said? i don't I'd weep
0: oh yeah,
1: <laughs> and I think that's I think that's funny, but although a lot of people just visit Yosemite for one day, so visit the park how you wanna how you wanna visit it, but go in understanding that you're gonna meet crowds. You're going to have maybe some frustrating, like, non-wilderness experiences with traffic and cars and parking and, and things like that. And make sure you build in enough time to just sit back, look around, like, understand where you are, and take a breath.
0: And hopefully you don't feel like you got to experience all of Yosemite, because we certainly didn't after we were there a full six days. So you need a reason to come back.
1: Yeah, so thank you guys for joining us as we visited the third U.S. National Park, Yosemite. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love to hear from you on our website, on our website switchbackkids.com, or on our social media at switchbackkids.
0: Tell us what you liked, what you didn't uh, like, what you want more of, and questions for future parks. We love them. So next week, we'll be heading to the Pacific Northwest region to visit the fourth national park, Mount Rainier. Until then, Switchbacks switch out. out.